Okay. Well, we should probably just get going then. Okay. We got a. It seems like we got a long intro. I think this week, don't we? Yeah. It seems like we go because like last week's episode, I thought it was all gold, but the pre-show is like uh, I don't know about eight or nine minutes. Okay. Before we actually, <laughs> I think even before we actually get to uh, homework. Oh no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's all it's all gold. It's me talking about you know my my love hate relationship with Jim Gaffigan right now. A lot of it and. <laughs> And then we talk about celebrities and coronavirus. But that was last week. Uh, welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about The Soup, Season 6, Episode 7. But as I was about to say, we, we do have um, a lot more homework this week than we did last week. So that kind of made up for, you know, the whole the whole pre-show made up for it with the lack of homework. But uh, there's a lot to run through from last episode, which was The Gymnast. And so here is where we'll start with right up top. Ted and I were puzzled right off the bat with the super relatable bit that Seinfeld had about bizarre toilet seats. And have you seen these? And everybody's got them. And here we go. (laughs) Um, The one specifically that he called out was the Lucite toilet seat. So it's a see-through plastic with coins and dollar bills and stuff like that. I googled Lucite coin toilet seat and Mm -hmm. i couldn't find any history about why these were big uh initially right off the bat but there are tons (laughs) up on ebay oh god and here's the thing about these now they're sought after by collectors who somehow extract rare coins that they find in them so for instance (laughs) one is up on ebay for seriously five hundred and fifty dollars oh okay jesus here's why it's a vintage 1970 lucite silver coin money toilet seat so it's got 38 dimes 12 half dollars and 28 quarters and they're all from 1964 and earlier when all those were i guess made of actual silver oh god damn okay yeah <laughs> and they, they made they make sure to note condition is new never been used so you're not buying someone's <laughs> old ass from the 1970s <laughs> and having it sent through the mail that's just what we need you know what that's how the american virus would start it's like well he bought a lucite <laughs> toilet seat that had some old ass on it and then that, that got unleashed on the world. <laughs> Mailman comes and delivers your package. Man, why does this smell like stale ass? <laughs> um, oh, and the, the uh, auction ends like this. This is a great piece of Americana. Okay. Oh, God. is it really? <laughs> Look, it, it's, yeah, not really. Like, it's not like a Coke advertisement from the 1960s. It, yeah. it, it has nothing to do with like uh, working in a Rust Belt. It's a toilet seat that has a couple <laughs> yeah. of dimes in it. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing. So I, when I Googled, you know, Lucide coin toilet seat or whatever, and, and I think I, I put like history, then uh-huh. nothing came up. I put, but then I, I think that's when I put Seinfeld in. I was like, all right, let me see if anybody has, because every so often you'll find an old, uh, again, this will come up later, um, an old forum posting or something like that yeah. that'll say, that'll be very informative. But what I found was a clip of Jerry doing this same bit during panel on Letterman, like back in the, back in the nineties. Really? And so he's essentially doing, you know, like you see comedians do this, like especially if you're familiar with their act, they'll turn it into a question like uh, the the host will go, oh, so um, I heard you had a problem with bugs recently. Oh, well, bugs, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's like such uh, an obvious yeah, setup. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know what the setup was, but Jerry was just talking about, you know, finding the perfect gift, which I, uh, I don't know, something like that. And it led to weird toilet seats as gifts. And, I, and what he said was that these were really big in casinos. <laughs> Which makes total sense, you know, and so okay. <laughs> I guess we're just not as familiar with, you know, the, um, you know, being uh, over here on the East Coast with going to Vegas so much and knowing what gifts are out there and stuff like that. So, um, <laughs> you know, the, the it was in casino gift shops and stuff like that. So if you wanted to bring something home from for somebody, you could bring them one of these blue side toilet seats. What an yeah. awful gift. Jesus. <laughs> could you could 
you imagine? Like, I would rather get the shirt that says, uh, my mom went to Las Vegas and all I got was this stupid t-shirt. I would rather <laughs> yeah, get yeah. that than my mom bringing me home a Lucite toilet seat that has a couple of coins in it. Yeah. He even had a little funnier bit that wasn't in the actual episode of Seinfeld where he was like, what are you, what are you thinking when you put that on your toilet seat? I'm going to show these people I got... What? What do you got? You got, you know, you got a dumb, clear <laughs> toilet seat with money in it. Um, like, it if, if, you're, if, if you're not taking, like, value of what the coins are worth into consideration, it's what? Maybe, like, $3.80 of coins? Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever it was. <laughs> so 38 dimes is, yeah, $3.80. 12 half dollars is 6 bucks. 28 quarters. Oh, don't make me do that math. But, okay, so um, so in in total, it's uh, I'm just spitballing here. Like maybe 20 bucks, maybe. Yeah. So imagine how expensive the toilet seat had to be in order to make that back. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. Or, or even better yet, if the price wasn't raised in like to make up for the price of the coins, and people are buying these toilet seats originally thinking, oh, I'm gonna get all the coins out of this and make a profit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There is a there is you know uh, a, a tipping point where that would be a viable you know thing to do, but but now there I mean there are there are more on eBay for like two hundred and three hundred bucks. So I guess people think like, hey, you have actual silver coins in here. There's some rare ones or whatever. And this is that's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. Um, we also wanted to know what Jerry meant by this line. Uh, it's when he's telling Kramer that. Jerry has been roped into going to the circus because of sleeping with Nadia. Wait, was her name Nadia? Uh, K- K- Katya. 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 Uh, sleeping with Katya. And he says, yeah, well, you know what? If I got to go and spend time with this girl, then you're coming with me, Dr. Cyclops. And <laughs> I didn't even catch it, but you caught it, Ted. And you you thought it was a reference to the, uh, the to Kramer's one-eyed monster. Yeah, I, I thought it was to go through. Yeah, I, I thought it was a reference to Kramer, Kramer's penis. Yeah. Uh, but here's so again, I wasn't I, I came up empty handed, except I found out that Dr. Cyclops is a 1940 science fiction horror film from Paramount Pictures uh, directed by Ernest B. Shodesack. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. No way. No way. S-C-H-O-E-D-S-A-C-K. Back then in the 40s in Hollywood, they just said like, oh, yeah, that director shows you a sack. So if you want to be in his movie, oh, you want to be in a Shodesack movie? Guess what? <laughs> Holy crap. His last name is Shodesack. <laughs> oh, Maybe no. that's not how you pronounce it, but it sure looks like it. <laughs> uh, and then it, yeah. it has nobody else, no other famous actors. Thomas Coley, Victor Killian, Janice Logan, okay. Charles Halton. Yeah, nobody I recognize. But here's what it's about. A mad scientist working in the South American jungle miniaturizes his colleagues when he feels his megalomania is threatened. And then in the IMDb forum for this movie, which is surprisingly has a lot of posts in it, um, it says, someone asked the question, why Why did Seinfeld, the, the exact same question, why did Jerry call him Dr. Cyclops? Can anyone figure out the connection there? And IMDb user Akzidens Gro- Grotesque, I don't know what that means. Okay. Uh, Eight years ago, this post is from eight years ago, said, I guess the Romanian gymnast is pint-sized and therefore the connection with the pint-sized victims of Dr. Cyclops' experiment. So he shrinks all his victims down, and I guess that's that's the connection, that she's very tiny, and Kramer was like really (laughs) seemed to be into that. I don't know. That's that's as good a theory as any, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a stretch, but I don't see us coming up with anything better. (laughs) 
No, no. <laughs> or, or finding anything better that exists, you know? No. It, it was a weird, weird offhand remark that I, I don't know if it works, but that's, that's the nearest thing I can tell. Um, let me see. Oh, I, I tried to do some, like, Google Trend info on Melt Your Face. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time it... I don't know what the connection is, but the first time it popped up into Google Trends, so it's a flat line starting in, you know, from the beginning of time, and then it actually... People started searching for it December of 2005. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I and, wonder what happened February in December. 2006, so the, I wonder the what happened of, between December 05 and February 06. That I don't know. But I was, you know, I, I found some other like, what's that question and answer website? Quora or something like that. I found some other people who were like, where did that expression come from? And there were other people who associated it with Jack Black, as I think I kind of did in the last episode. It, it always just makes me think of something he would say. and and But I wanted to know you know, if Kramer coined it, but, mm. um, yeah, I've, I have no idea. No idea. That's, that's as far as I went with melting your face. And as far as I kind of expected to go. <laughs> uh, and then finally we wanted to know all about, well, now that I see his name actually spelled out the way it's supposed to be spelled, I forget how, I forget how it's actually said. Cho-co-cochescu? Ch- uh, Chochescu. Chochescu. Okay. Cause it's spelled like I was spelling it C-H-O. C A G S K U. When I, I was writing it, I, I think it, the I think the caption spelled it C E A C E S C U. It's even weirder than that, unless you want to count this as a. It's C E A U S with a little tail on it. Okay. E S C U. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So that little, you know, that's obviously like a Romanian alphabet letter uh-huh. or whatever. Um, and I guess it's spelled, it's pronounced like a C H. Uh, Nikolai. Chochescu. I'm going to screw it up every time. I mean, it, it's uh, probably not even Chochescu. We're, we're probably actually butchering it. Oh, but isn't that the way Jerry says it? It, it is, but I mean, oh, okay. are, are we going to take that as uh, as gospel? <laughs> uh, well, I, I don't know. How does Katya say it? Does she say it at I all? I don't think she says it. I think it's yeah. just Jerry that says it. So he was born uh, in January of 1918, General Secretary of the Romanian Communist Party from 65 to 89, the second and last communist leader of Romania. And he was head of state, of course. And uh, let me see. Oh, he was president until his overthrow and execution in the Romanian Revolution of December 1989. After being found guilty in trial of economic sabotage and genocide, he died by firing squad. Christmas Day, 1989. How about that? You know, you feel bad for the people that got to work on Christmas. Imagine you're in the Romanian firing squad (laughs) and you got to work. We got to do this. We can't wait till Boxing Day, guys. Nope. Got it. Christmas Day. (laughs) Boss says we got to come in. Hun, and we're killing we're hun, killing Ceausescu. Yep, that's right. Hun, I'm sorry. I, I gotta I gotta go. It, it works calling. It's Christmas Day. <laughs> we're killing Ceausescu, but yeah. it's Christmas. Yeah, that's that's a pretty crazy Christmas. It was a crazy Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so his his government was obviously severely totalitarian and was considered get this the most repressive in the Eastern Bloc at the time. You know what you got to do. To be the most repressive Eastern Bloc communist country, jeez, it's absolutely. I know, right? Um, his secret police was responsible for mass surveillance as well as severe repression and human rights abuses, and he suppressed and controlled the media and the press. Again, among the harshest and most restric- restrictive and brutal in the world. Um, his economic mismanagement, mismanagement due to failed oil ventures in the seventies, led to skyrocketing foreign debts. And in eighty-two, he exported most of the country's agricultural and industrial production to repay those debts. And then shortages that followed drastically lowered living standards, leading to heavy rationing of food, water, oil, heat, electricity, medicine, and other necessities. This is an interesting 
part two, his cult of personality experienced unprecedented elevation, followed by extensive nepotism and the intense deterioration of foreign relations, especially with the Soviet Union. So he was such a, uh, I guess, self-centered, but like crazy guy that, you know, I, I don't know. It, it To me, it um, it sort of uh, it mirrors what's going on right now. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Just that one sentence, Got his it. cult of personality experienced unprecedented elevation, followed by extensive nepotism and the intense deterioration of foreign relations, even with the Soviet Union. Huh. So he, ra- he surrounded himself with his family and was this had this crazy personality and drove away even the Soviet Union. You know what you had to do as a communist nation in the Eastern Bloc to drive away the Soviet Union? <laughs> oh, my uh, God. But here's also what's another interesting mirroring of today. It's uh, how many people still love him there. So, uh, you know, in 1989, when he was, like, just put to death, this is 94, this is five years later. Again, it's like we hear these things like talking about the Berlin Wall coming down, and then we forget that Seinfeld wasn't that far removed from those events, you know? Like, 89 sounds like a long time ago, but in 94, it definitely wasn't. Um, But in December of 2018, they did a poll where 64% of people had a good opinion of Ceausescu. Jesus. I know, right? Oh, good Lord. Some crazy revisionist history, it sounds like, going on there. (laughs) Old uh, old Romania. It's uh, it's almost like the further the uh, the more removed we are from having George Bush as president. <laughs> like people are like, man, we all thought he was crazy back then, but geez, <laughs> I would take him back in a heartbeat. My favorite is uh, Aziz Ansari's uh, SNL monologue where he was talking about get, watching old george w bush speeches especially after 9 11 and <laughs> and like getting weepy and, and he was like he guided us with his, with his eloquence <laughs> Jeez. i love that he guided us with his eloquence <laughs> god um, do you remember when it would be like uh like such a huge gaffe and it would ruin a politician's career uh, for like for stumbling once in a speech oh my <laughs> yeah. god i miss those days <laughs> <laughs> maybe one day <laughs> and with the final thing that uh, I wanted to look up was uh, just kind of some background on those 3D posters that Pitt won't stop staring at that Kramer got framed. Um, it's called an auto stereogram, and it's a single image stereogram designed to create, of course, a visible, visible visual illusion of three dimensional scene from a two dimensional image. And you have to um, overcome automatic coordination your brain does between focus and the angle of your eyes it's the same concept as a, of a as a view master but no view masters needed remember the view masters you ever have one of those oh yeah 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 so the same thing but that's just a stereogram this is an auto stereogram so you can do it by yourself so in 79 this guy christopher tyler a visual psychophysicist combined the theories behind single image wallpaper stereogram so you know if you see like two images that are identical on the same plane, side by side, you can do this, and it'll make it look 3D just with that image. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So okay. If, yeah. There's like a happy, like two happy faces right next to each other. You can combine them within your eyes to. Um, did you try to look at any of these? By I, the way, I, I did. I looked them up, and, and I found like one of the uh, one of the most prominent companies was Magic Eye. Yes. So does that because that was 91? So you would have been. Were you even born? I don't know. No. no. I, was, okay. I was born in December of 92. Yeah, so this so this guy in '79 did combined the single image wallpaper stereograms and the random dot stereograms to create the first black and white random dot auto stereogram with the assistance of a computer programmer named Maureen Clark using an Apple II and Basic, which is the computer that I grew up with. <laughs> um, we had an Apple II GS actually. I don't remember what the D- GS before, but I did remember some Basic. So that was a programming language where it'd be like ten. 
print Mur- Tim Murphy rules 20 go to 10 and it would just put print <laughs> Tim Murphy rules on your computer and like never stop um, <laughs> that's basically the only basic programming I remember um, then in 91 a couple of other computer programmers and artists uh, well one computer programmer and one artist created the first color random dot auto stereograms those were later marketed as magic eye so you get these books Whoa. and stuff like that and, yeah your scholastic book fair and uh yeah and and be amazed at the 3d imagery so were you able to look at these and see any of them uh no i mean i don't know if i'm looking at like an image like just too little on my phone which might uh, be it uh I'm, I'm not able to see any of the patterns in anything so you can't do the thing where your eyes you know you unfocus and the the images come together and then you can see you can't see the 3d thing not really like i'm looking at one right now that's uh I don't know. It, it's almost like smoke coming out of what looks like a pipe or something. I don't know. It's literally the first result on eBay. Uh, it's it's a sponsored result. Poster, optical illusion, leaf, magic eye, free shipping. But I'm looking at I'm looking at the image enlarged, and I I, I don't know what I'm looking at. Yeah, you kind of have to like I don't know. Relax your eyes and and let you know you know how when you relax your eyes you can see two images like your the the image that each of your eyes sees kind of separates from itself and that's kind of what you have to do it's 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 weird um i'd be interested to see though if you could figure out how to see the another way that um you can do it is like put it right up to your face and again it ha- the whole image has to be on there so if you're looking at a zoomed in image it won't be anything because the whole image you know has to be on there but you know you put it right up to your nose and then slowly bring it away and then that sometimes helped people out. Yeah, I, I I think the thing that is hindering it for me is it is on my phone, and I'm not looking at a giant version of it, you know. Yeah. And there's yeah, you have to there, bring one up on like a computer monitor or something. Yeah, there, there's a lot of other things going on in in the room where I'm recording this. There's a fly buzzing around. I'm watching. I'm I'm watching the audio record, uh, yeah. and that that's all just like in my peripherals. I can't like really focus on one thing. Yeah, I'd be curious to see if you could if you could experiment with these and if you could figure out how to see the 3D image, and then pretend you're in the pretend you're just a dude in the early 90s. <laughs> <laughs> gonna hang. You this also up, have to be in that mindset. Gonna hang this up in my dorm room next to my neon Jimi <laughs> Hendrix poster. Yeah, and that's all the homework that we had. Oh man, okay. <laughs> uh, no. Did did we have any other news? Well, I do have a bit of news. Okay. Um, have you heard of this Netflix show, Too Hot to Handle? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> if you haven't heard of this, uh, I hadn't heard of it until I read this article. So they got a bunch of sexy singles uh, with their eyes on a $100,000 prize. But in a twist of the typical reality dating show, you can't hook up in any way or you risk losing prize money. And we have <laughs> Seinfeld to thank for Too Hot to Handle. Wait, really? Yeah. Laura Gibson, who is the creative director behind the production company who made the series, said, one of my favorite shows is Seinfeld, and my favorite episode is The Contest, and I thought there's a show in this. It was that combined with the fact that one of my friends was on Tinder at the time and showed me an exchange with a guy, and within two messages, he sent her a dick pic. This is what dating is today. Oh, my God. So we have to get out there and help people. I thought, wouldn't it be interesting to do a reality show where instead of trying to get all these hot people to get with each other... Why don't we try and make them not get with each other? What's sexier than not being able to have sex? Nothing drives you crazier than that. <laughs> so, I guess, you know, like if you if you kiss somebody, like you you lose three grand or something yeah. like that. Or, 
Oh my god! Uh, like that, yeah. and, and I'm guessing like uh, three grand for a kiss is like the least amount of money you can lose. Imagine like, imagine what you lose for hooking up with someone. Right. Yeah, I don't even know the whole price menu, but <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's what I read, and so. Um, it, it doesn't sound like something. It sounds like a great concept. I mean, not a great concept, but an interesting concept. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I have no interest in watching it, but I thought it was interesting that we have Seinfeld to thank for. Oh, I'll, it. I'll, I'll probably check it out. I'll probably check out <laughs> really? at least a okay. few episodes of it. <laughs> I, I didn't even, I didn't even draw the conclusion though that that would be uh, derivative of the contest. Yeah, me neither. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So, are people watching it? I I don't know if it's come out yet. Oh, okay. I don't know actually. I thought I saw it on my menu, but maybe not. It, it, there's a um, the host is an AI named Lana. I don't know why. Oh no, and, it, uh, it, it it is out. It it has it come is out. out. Okay. Oh boy. Uh, guess what this has on IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, three <laughs> percent. It has a four point five out of ten on IMDb. And a thirty-eight uh, percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> that is not certified fresh. No, it's not. But I'm pretty sure that is better than uh, uh, Captain Marvel and Wonder Woman got on Rotten Uh-oh. Tomatoes because everyone had to uh, bombard the ratings. Like we uh, can't have a female superhero <laughs> before the movie even premiered. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> pretty awful. Uh, okay. Anything else? No. Okay. <laughs> if you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show. We like to have our questions come up naturally throughout the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week after, like we are answering homework, which would explain the first 23 minutes of this entire episode. I'm watching these episodes for the first time ever, and Tim is watching these episodes for the first time after being a lifelong fan for years, and it did not take me four times to say that for some <laughs> reason. Uh if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating or and a written review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that takes podcast ratings. Uh, just send us a screenshot if it is on anything other than Apple Podcasts. If you do those, we will send you a no-hugging, no-learning sticker. Uh, I should probably send those out this week uh, before Trump signs a, a royal decree that <laughs> the Postal Service costs as much as UPS and FedEx now. Um, that's uh, So that's... Awesome. I'm just, I'm terrified to go to the post office, honestly. Uh, yeah. Because anytime I've stepped foot in there, it's a line of 20 people and it, it takes an hour to do anything when it's yeah. three people in line. Oh, yeah. One uh, window open. That's it. Yeah. Uh, but if we, if we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over anything, please send us an email or send us a tweet at nohugging on Twitter or nohugging, no learning show at gmail.com. And Tim, we do have something in Newman's mail sack that we will get into later on. Oh, all right. All that being said, season six, episode seven, The Soup, original air date, November 10th, 1994. I was one year, 10 months, and 21 days old. And if you count this episode and every other episode we have left, Tim, we have 83 episodes remaining until we become a strictly answering homework podcast <laughs> yeah like we answer we the look ho- up random stuff exactly we answer the homework we have questions about said homework and then we answer <laughs> those questions as homework the next week yeah yeah <laughs> like next week would be all about the romanian communist party and their rise to power absolutely you know, that, now that we've covered the final leader we <laughs> want to talk about the first one 
Oh my god. So if you're lo- if you are looking in TV Guide the night of November 10th, 1994, you are going to see Jerry regrets accepting a designer suit from an obnoxious comedian. All right. And we start with the stand-up bit as usual, and this is about when your close friend is in a relationship. If you have a close friend and they get in a relationship, it throws off your comedic timing and the friend ends up taking her point of view in any argument with her, whereas if she wasn't there, you know, he would uh, be, probably be on your side. But uh, as Jerry says, I'd like to continue seeing her naked, so I'm going to disagree with you or something like that. It, it was pretty funny and very relatable. I mean, who hasn't been in that situation? Who hasn't been on both sides of those situations where you're like, damn it, I can't be myself right now because this woman is here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, God, I would, be, I would be laying into this situation so hard right now, but uh, I have to play it very cool. Oh, um, Yeah. And then also, you know, who hasn't been in the situation where your friend has a, a person who is with a person that you don't like or whatever. Mm, that's very, but, very, but even, very, but very even Jerry didn't say I didn't like them. It's just it just adds another dynamic that is awkward sometimes. And we open in monks and they're ordering. It's Jerry and George and George and Kelly, the waitress, whose name we only find yeah. out right away because it's on her name tag. Oh, I did, I never caught that. Okay. <laughs> the whole episode in my notes, I just refer to her as the waitress. The waitress. The okay. waitress. Yeah. I And actually, here's the thing. I wrote it down as Holly the first time because I couldn't really tell. Ah. So when, whenever we did finally learn her name, I went back and put K's and E's over all the over, over all those hoes. <laughs> <laughs> they're bantering and they're, you know, kind of flirting and it's very, it's, it's very fun and... <laughs> And but Jerry's like, well, they do work on tips because George yeah. is like, does she like me? Do you think well, it's possible? And Jerry's like, they do work on tips. Well, what's what's the line that she drops? She says like something that, that does she say that she could slap him or something? Like I'm gonna don't make me don't make me get rough with you or something like that's that. That's right. That's right. Cause yeah, I, yeah. I, I was wondering what the context was because in my notes I wrote waitress flirts with George could totally kick his ass. <laughs> yeah, and later on, George says this, but this actress is great because she is so cool right off the bat. Like she, <laughs> I bet in the in the nineties in ninety four would like hang out at CBGBs and <laughs> go to all these like cool play. Like she's got short hair. She looks kind of punk rock. I mean, she she's an artist. She makes her own clips, hair clips. Find out later on. I'm like, she is really cool. My God, infinitely cooler than George Costanza. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is why, I mean, you can understand George. Like, she's being so nice and fun, and uh, our banter is fun. And like, God, maybe there's something there, but uh, maybe not. Uh, you know, Elaine comes in, and she was just getting back from a trip that George didn't notice. <laughs> George didn't notice that she was in England for the past five days <laughs> with Mister Pitt. Um, but here's something interesting that I like a theory that I read recently about Seinfeld. I don't know. Um, I don't know where I stumbled across it, but it was like, you know, all, all the episodes take place in a relatively short amount of time. And this person was theorizing that the group kind of revolves around Jerry and he goes out of town and does shows, say, from like Thursday to, you know, Sunday, he comes back or whatever. And then then they start catching up that Monday, like everybody connects again. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, what did you do this week? Oh, I'm dating this girl now. Oh, great. Yo. And this and and I, I've got these errands to do. Come with me. And then, then he goes out of town for another week, and then he comes back, and then they, they reconnect again. So I thought that was kind of an interesting little uh, headcanon that person had about huh. why why they only seem to have these adventures like this and, and, be, and, and, and don't know anything about what's going on in each other's lives until that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. While Elaine was in England, she met an Englishman that she is flying in with her frequent flyer miles, and it's an open-ended ticket, so she doesn't know when uh, he's going to leave. Hmm. And th- yeah, at this point, Jerry sees Kenny Banya, this awful comedian, come into Monks, 
And he comes over, talks about how much he's working out, talking about how much his suit size has grown, and asks Jerry what his suit size is, which is a 40. And Kenny Banya says, I've got this Armani suit that I can't wear anymore. It's brand new, you know, and asks him if he wants it. And everyone kind of, um, Jerry at first is like, well, I don't know. I don't need a suit. And Elaine and George are like, what are you doing? Free Armani. That's awesome. Like, definitely taken. He's like, all right, fine. Yeah. Jer- so Jerry, I think, knows yeah. what he's getting into. Yeah. Jerry doesn't want it at first, really. Yeah. And, and I think it's because he knows, you know, he doesn't want to be indebted to someone like Kenny Banyan. Mm-hmm. And as we'll find mm-hmm. out, that's exactly, exactly what happens. Meanwhile, um, Kelly comes back over and she has made George an off menu sandwich. Yeah, so you, she like surprised him with something. Did you catch what it was? A cold chicken sandwich? <laughs> what does that sound appetizing to you? <laughs> I don't know whether do you think it was like like uh, kind of chopped chicken pieces or do you think it was sliced deli chicken? I don't know. I, I'm my, my mind went to like uh chopped chicken pieces like a, like a chicken breast just cut up like taken yeah. out of the refrigerator. The, the, the biggest, like, I'm just going to forage for whatever's in the fridge and pantry sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. How do you feel about the cold turkey sandwich after Thanksgiving? It's one of my favorites. Uh, it's not bad. I mean, yeah. uh, actually, uh, one of the things I had for lunch this past week was a leftover uh, ham sandwich with cold ham. But to counteract the cold ham, I toasted the bread, which was ah. really good. Oh, my God. And you're not talking deli ham. You're talking like like spiral cut, yeah, kind of like whatever. thick yeah. cut spiral yeah. ham. Yeah. So I, I'd kind of put it in the same boat as that cold turkey sandwich that I like okay. after Thanksgiving. So okay. Not not anything I'd order. I don't <laughs> not, think. Not something you'd go out to a diner and order, but yeah, but exactly. something that you would definitely eat if it was in your refrigerator. Yeah. Uh, outside monks, Jerry, even though he you know had the works on tips line earlier, convinces George to. Do the walk back in. I like this. You want me to? You want me to walk back in? That's the toughest move in the book. Uh, and and they do have a great little exchange that kind of um, likens it to you know going over the trenches in war. Oh, God. Um, and I guess that's that's and and even Jerry at this point like shoves George. You know he convinces George to go in and ask out Kelly, and then he like kind of shoves him and. Jerry like laughs a little bit when he does that. Did you yeah, see it? Yeah, he kinda, yeah. I thought that was is, funny. Is this him breaking character, kind of? I think a little bit, but I mean, yeah, but then maybe. again, it's one of those times when you break and you leave it in because it fits. It's yeah. like yeah, friend, I, laugh about doing that. I I, I just want to mention before we move on that uh, with them being inside monks and then to this scene outside of monks, getting the exterior like establishing shot of a place you were just on the interior of is never not going to seem weird because it's it yeah. happens all the time like where we're in Jerry's and then we get an exterior shot of Jerry's and then we're back in Jerry's later in the day it just seems so weird yeah yeah it's a little confusing or like last week when we were outside the shoe repair shop and but we were just in a car you know yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh we're not going to we're not going we're not getting our shoes repaired okay well i just did all this research for nothing <laughs> Uh, but speaking of being outside of a business, there's a there's an electronic shop. I'm, I'm certain this is their street set that we've been talking about in season six, their new street set. And it's like an electronic store window that they've set up. And there's lots of cool stuff in there, like interesting 90s relics, like a Walkman. I was like, that thing is so big, it might be a CD player, but I think it's still a Walkman. It still has, it's not exactly square, but it was almost square. But it was. I was like, I think that... I think that's a um, an actual cassette Walkman, not a Discman, you know? Oh, man. Uh, there's, like, 
there's like a random calculator that's not very special at all they have in their window. There's a, but there's a portable TV. I thought those were so cool when I was little. I was like, you can walk around and watch TV. That's did, incredible. Did you did you have one of those? Did you did oh, you ever no. want one of those? No, I, I would I would have loved one. I don't know where I would have gone as a kid. Like <laughs> I'm in my house, why don't I just watch the big TV? But you know, I guess car trips and stuff is what I was really thinking. Like, oh, that'd be so great. Uh, and over at Jerry's apartment. Uh, Superman's on the bookshelf right away. Got to point that out. Mm -hmm. And Kramer comes in, and he's getting rid of his fridge because after his kidney stone, he's only eating fresh fresh food from the store from now on. Only fresh food. No no prepared food. Uh, Plus... He's like, I'm looking forward to having the space. And he's like, what are you going to put in the kitchen? He's like, maybe I'll put a dresser in there. I can get dressed while I'm making breakfast. God. Which I, I, I got to point out, uh, Kramer going against the thesis of the show. Which is no learning. He learned something. Yeah, he did. He learned not to eat horribly. He, he learned something from his kidney stone. And that wow. was eat better. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. How about that? Next, we're going to see a hug for crying out loud. <laughs> Uh, so Banya comes in and he gives Jerry the suit and Kramer isn't any help at all because he keeps playing up Kenny's generosity. Like, oh, but he gave you a suit. I mean, look at this, Jerry. That's not it's Armani. Oh, my, oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. And then Kenny just uh, chimes in uh, just real quick. I don't even want anything for it. <laughs> I'm like, no one yeah. asked you. Yeah. Oh, I didn't want anything. Yeah, he, he is. Yeah, he's doing it for a lot of the same reasons that. The group is sometimes charitable, and it's only <laughs> to make themselves look better. You yeah. Know? I don't even want anything. And then he's like, well, you know what? Just take me out to dinner sometime. <laughs> and then George comes in, and it turns out he is going out with Kelly, and it's a day date, which uh, George says he's better during the day, and which is a weird, <laughs> weird thing to have, you know, think about yourself, I guess. Uh, and Jerry <laughs> says he loves the day date because there's... No wine and no... I forget what the second thing he mentions is. Um, but Jerry loves the day date as well. And so they're going on a walk when they uh, when she gets off work. Over in a cab, uh, the Englishman and Elaine are, I guess, probably coming back from the airport. And he talks about the airline food. And Elaine's like, well, you know what? I kind of like airline uh, food. And, and she says, like, you know, I, I never admit this to anybody. This is her <laughs> deep, dark secret that she likes <laughs> airline food. Like everyone, yeah. everyone's got a dark secret. Elaine's is so boring. Yeah, I don't think I don't know. I guess I just don't also have a. I remember what the meals that I've had on airlines, which were probably back in the '90s because they stopped doing that. <laughs> I didn't mind them either. I was like, I, I guess probably because I was a kid, and like, you're just happy to be eating when yeah. you're a kid. Anything, it doesn't matter. <laughs> just happy to be putting food in your face. Yeah, especially like I'm flying through the air and I'm eating <laughs> cafeteria food. This is amazing. Why yeah. does anybody think this is amazing? <laughs> So I, I always liked it as well. But then the, the Englishman sort of like mumbles something and Elaine goes, what? Well, yeah, he, he and, says it, uh, it's, it's probably because. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, you know, eventually gets to the point where he's like, where I come from, we don't say what. We, we say pardon. <laughs> and then Elaine mumbles something and he, does he say pardon or does he say what at this point? I, I think he does say pardon. Oh, Okay. And yeah, Lane says nothing. So it's off to a horrible start already, this uh, this trip. Over in Central Park, George and Kelly are walking, and they come upon some manure, and George talks about how much he doesn't mind manure because, A, it's it's just got such a great name. First you got newer, and that's good, and then you got ma, ma newer. Uh, and <laughs> this is this, his this is great his, day date personality. This is his A content here. Yeah. <laughs> 
And Kelly notices his watch and goes, oh, my boyfriend has the same watch. He's a real watch freak. And George, you know, has a look on your face, as you might imagine, when someone you thought you want to date with says, boyfriend. And they come across more manure. And she's like, oh, no, you stepped right in. And he's like, I certainly did. (laughs) (laughs) Over in Jerry's apartment, he's explaining to Jerry the exchange that he just had. And I can appreciate this. Because I, I think all I don't know a guy that couldn't who hates because uh, as the way Jerry says it and the way they slip it into conversation like you're just draw like it's you know not interesting information oh my boyfriend blah 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 like who has not been in that situation too where you're talking <laughs> to somebody and it, and it goes one of two ways like a you're like you know what I was just I wasn't even talking to you like that I was just talking to you and you had to like make uh-huh. a point to point out you had a boyfriend <laughs> or you do take a bag she's like oh I was interested in you and you just completely you know, made me feel like an asshole uh, that you would never even date, you know, because you had to point out that you're already dating somebody. You know what I mean? See, I will, I will go not fully against this because I don't know if I brought this up on the podcast before, but I am, I am sort of like Kelly in this instance, uh, because I mean, at when I'm at work, if I'm out in like public doing like a public appearance or something, I always try and be as friendly as possible. And I've been told before that sometimes me being friendly comes off as being flirty. And mm. I, if I'm talking to, uh, if I'm talking to a woman that I, I do find attractive, but I'm legitimately just trying to be friendly for my job, I will slip it into conversation. Oh yeah, so, something with my wife, you know, j- just to make, j- just to make sure. I'm like, hey, no, I'm literally just trying to be friendly. Mm. Does that make sense? No, it, t- it makes total sense. I think that's why women do it. But I never heard of a guy doing it, I don't think. I, I guess I'm the only one then. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I guess you can always just wait until it gets to that point. You know, like if, they, if they're bold <laughs> enough to go, hey, do you want to go out sometime? Like, you know, or, or in this case, we're finding out that, well, anyway, I, I don't want to spoil the well, rest of the episode, yeah, but well, the, it, wasn't ex- it was for a totally different reason, I the, guess. The reason I do that, though, is because I was at an appearance one time, and it did get to that point. And, oh, okay. and, and, uh, and one girl was like, hey, so uh, do, do you have a girlfriend or something? I'm like, I do, actually. I'm sorry. And I, I saw, I, I don't want to, like, gas myself up here, but I, I saw, like, her face just kind of, oh, well, she, she's very lucky. I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> So, yeah. so that's but kind of why I do it now. Any, I don't think that person would have felt. Maybe they would. I was like, maybe I don't think that person would have felt any worse or better if you had dropped it into conversation earlier. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if it would have made too much difference. But I, I, don't I, I know. guess it, that that's the difference between like Ted and me. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> it would it never get to that point with me. Plus, I'm also not that friendly, so that helps as well. Yeah, you dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but so Jerry's like, all right, well, maybe she was confused about whether it was a you know because George is like, why would she go out? Why would she go out on a date with me if she had a boyfriend? Mm-hmm. And Jerry's like, well, what did you say to her? He's like, you want to go for a walk or something? <laughs> and Jerry's like, oh well. He's like, what? I said or something. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually Jerry's like, yeah, I guess that's a date. I guess the or something is a date. He was like, she must have, you know, what if it's possible that during your whole manure exchange, she called an audible. She saw the defense. She didn't like the play. <laughs> and because of your weird manure speech, she decided to say, oh, I got a boyfriend just to end this before it even gets started. 
Uh, Kramer comes in, meanwhile, and the fresh food thing is really working out for him. He buys food at the store, he brings it home, and he eats it right then. Oh, and he's also dating a waitress from Reggie's. She's a full-figured gal, as he says. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And George says, hey, can you find out if she knows Kelly from Monk's? And does she have a boyfriend? I think this is where we first learned Kelly's name. Oh, okay. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Because yeah. this is the first time I wrote Kelly instead of Holly. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> it seems weird to me that, I mean, maybe Reggie's and Monk's are really close or something like that. But why would one waitress at a diner in New York City know another waitress at a diner in New York City? How many diners in New York City are there? How many waitresses are at each of those diners? Does that sound like statistically crazy to you? Uh, yeah, I'm, you, your, your argument's definitely valid. Like, oh my God. <laughs> like, it's, it's not like you're in friggin' a, a, a town of 10,000 people. Yeah, yeah. Or if like, or like in a mall. Like, hey, can you find out if the, the girl at Sparrows knows the guy at Red Robin or whatever? You know, like. I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even that I would be surprised. Yeah. It's, but this is, but maybe Reggie's and Monks are more connected in the universe than, than we're, we have knowledge of at this point. It just sounds kind of, like unless they're right next door to each other or right across the street which it doesn't seem like when we see Reggie's later on it, it just seems weird. Yeah, I'm going to guess that they are on opposite ends of the same block. Yeah, that sounds that sounds right. Cuz I mean we, right. we we know that we know all the all the characters they don't travel very far unless it's like a main plot point of an episode. Right. Yeah, yeah. And later on they're outside monks and they're going to walk to Reggie's, it seems like mm-hmm. so. So, it, so yeah, it's got to be pretty close. Yeah, and so maybe they do trade staff. You know, one leaves one and goes to the other, or whatever. Um, and so, it, it, I guess it's a possibility, and we find out it's a great possibility later on. <laughs> Kenny calls. Uh, Kenny Banya calls, and he's like, "You know what? I think I want my meal." <laughs> and he's like, "How about Mendy's? Ooh, you ever been there?" And so, so he's like, "You know, I'll meet you at Mendy's at seven. And by the way, throughout this scene, did you notice the odd? sweatshirt that jerry seinfeld decided to wear i i did i couldn't tell what was on it though hang on let me um let me it's the weirdest thing so it says northwest podiatric i don't know if that's i don't know if that's why you say that it looks like pediatric but there's not enough syllables you know so podiatric laboratory inc northwest podiatric laboratory inc and it is (laughs) as you might imagine a lab that makes like orthotics and foot insoles and stuff like that <laughs> in Blaine, Washington. What? So it's in like the far like upper corner of Washington state, not near anything. Oh my and God. It's, it's still around. It's still there. Same logo. I mean, there's been really? like a small redesign, but it's like, a, it's like a heel that's taking a step. And then each step is sort of like marked with a line. It's the same logo that's on Jerry's sweatshirt. And the, everything's still there, nwpodiatric.com. And here's so they have a section called Story. And I was like, what is the deal with this? <laughs> Under, what could so the story like, possibly is, be? Uh, so in 1977, I guess, is it, it kind of started. And, and then the 1980s, using knowledge gained with carbon fiber, they created a uh, super glass. And then so here's what uh, is under 1990s. While Dennis and Chris helped countless celebrities over the years, most notable was Jerry Seinfeld. At the peak of his hit television show in the mid-90s, Seinfeld called the lab looking for help. So impressed after traveling to Blaine to have his orthotics made, he encouraged them to use his story to promote Northwest. An ensuing friendship landed Dennis, Chris, and their wives 
with invitations to a number of Seinfeld shows, including an appearance in the final episode, which was exclusively for family and close friends. <laughs> like, talk about the most non-humble, <laughs> humble brag on any... We're friends with Jerry Seinfeld, oh, you plebs. my God. <laughs> I know. I couldn't believe what I was reading. I was like, this is insane. By the way, we know Jerry. We know Jerry Seinfeld very well. <laughs> Jesus. What? what? Why? How? Uh, <laughs> I know. And, and, and also, why did they let him wear? I mean, that's product placement right there. They're essentially saying Jerry Seinfeld endorsed us. And now he's wearing this sweatshirt on the show. Like, did NBC know about this? <laughs> I would be pissed if I'm like, uh, no, we're getting some money from Northwest if the most watched television show in the universe has their logo prominently displayed during it. Yeah, I'm, that's insane. I'm on their website now and I'm looking at the photo of Jerry getting like a plaster mold of his foot and everyone's oh, just no. smiling at the camera. I'm like, this is so awkward. Where is that? I, I, where is that? Uh, NWpodiatric.com slash story. Slash story. Wow, I can't see, uh, I don't see Jerry Seinfeld. Are, are you on the site? Yeah, yeah, S- scroll, and I'm on story. Scroll down to 1990s. Yeah, yeah, I'm there, but there's no picture. Oh, what? Oh, yeah, man. that's weird. <laughs> huh. I, I want to know if like I can buy a sweatshirt like Jerry's wearing. I want to know <laughs> if they have merch. It's probably expensive as hell, because it's the one Jerry Seinfeld wore. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. I want to see that picture of, of Jerry, but oh well. Here, I'll, I'll cut this out. I'll text it to you. Okay. I'll, I'll screen cap and I'll just text it to you. Awesome. Yeah, it was just, that's just the, I mean, I did not expect, I didn't, I didn't expect that to lead anywhere, but I was like, well, let me Google. There's a prominently displayed, and it's weird to him, have him in a logoed sweatshirt. You know, like he, he just, yeah. We, ha- we haven't seen that very much, but to be such a specific logo, I was like, all right, this isn't like Polo or something. This is a, a lab that makes shoe insoles for obviously the most famous of 90s stand-up comedians. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I had to find, I, but I had no idea what was waiting for me when I did. Uh, I'm like, <laughs> it was just so dumb. God, talk about a journey. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, yeah, well, we didn't do much in the 90s, except, well, the other thing that in 94, Dennis Brown received an honorary doctor of science from the California College of Podiatric Medicine to acknowledge his accomplishments and contribution to the field. And we fucking met Seinfeld, you assholes. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most important. Like, that's one sentence, and then there's like a paragraph about Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we got an honorary doctor of medicine, (laughs) but also we met fucking Jerry Seinfeld. We met Jerry Seinfeld, and guess what? We're like his best friends. We're, we're, We're like his best friend. So before we make anything for your feet, I'm afraid you're going to have to kiss ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't have my phone near me. I'll, I'll have to check that out later. Oh. Maybe maybe we'll even tweet it out for this episode because I think people want to see that without having to give any more web traffic to nwpodiatric.com. <laughs> <laughs> Where are we now? Oh, we're in Mendy's, which is oh, another place I got to look up. It's a, a kosher deli. Which, by the way, looks really, really nice for a kosher deli. But this is an actual restaurant that had a bunch of locations up in New York at one point, including this one, which was at 208 West Seventh uh, West 70th Street. I'm sorry. Um, we know Jerry doesn't really leave the Upper West Side very much. <laughs> and it is closed. And it only has Mendy's as a whole only has two dollar signs. But that didn't look like a restaurant. I mean, we go into like an interior on a set, but even the exterior looked 
really nice for a deli, what you would call a deli. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I wouldn't even consider a deli having table service, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But like the waiter comes by, white shirt, black bow tie. And I'm like, okay, this is this is a like really fancy place. It, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like I put deli and diner kind of on the same level of decor and yeah. decorum. And Mendy's looks like a real, maybe it's just a special kind of kosher deli that they have up in New York where where you sit down at a table and they, and they serve swordfish and salmon, not <laughs> hoagies. <you know? laughs> and it's only two dollar signs. I'm like, that didn't look like a two dollar sign restaurant. Yeah, what swordfish that's the best in the city can you get for two out of four dollar signs? Yeah. No idea, but so this Mendy's closed a while back. It was most recently a steakhouse from 2015 to 2019, and so and I think it's empty right now. So if you want to open something up in the former Mendy's, go for it. <laughs> it's all yours. <laughs> yeah, and I love this exchange. So Banya's there with Jerry, and he's ta- he's he asks him, "Do you work out with weights?" And Jerry's like, "No." He's like, "You should." And Jerry goes, "Why?" <laughs> and then this like puzzled look washes over <laughs> Kenny's face, like he's just wasted. The last however many months it took him to bulk up to whatever size he thinks he is. Um, and I, I love that. Like, I I don't know. I don't Ken, know why. Ken, Kenny thinks he's a bodybuilder at this point, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so Jerry, instead of taking Kenny's insistence at ordering the swordfish, he orders the salmon. And then Banya goes, uh, you know what? I think I'll just have the soup. I'm going to save my meal for another time. And Jerry's like, no, this is the meal. Soup counts. And Banya says that soup is not a meal, but Banya guilts Jerry into relenting that, all right, fine, this is not, this doesn't count as your meal for the suit. <laughs> and, and, oh my God, Banya's line is just like, I ate a hot dog earlier. I'm not that hungry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you knew you were going out to dinner. <laughs> you and, made the reservation not not really the reservation but you're the one who wanted to come here yeah you knew exactly what time yeah now you're yeah now you're not hungry soup counts and it, and it devolves into two different convert two different arguments that i think any sane person will realize that jerry is right here but uh, so yeah. we cut to a stoop the stoop of elaine's building and elaine agrees that soup is not a meal but jerry says and here's where i totally agree you're missing the point the meal is the act of going out and sitting down at a table that was the meal that was the dinner like like jerry says to banya in the last scene nobody told you to eat a hot dog nobody's telling you to order the soup get whatever you want you yeah. can have everything on the menu you're ordering what you're gonna what is the meal right now you're in charge of it it's like, on you yeah nobody told banya to get the soup yeah yeah, he could have ordered anything, but he's choosing the soup. It's totally on him. But Elaine really still doesn't get it. She's like, she's still hooked on, well, was it a, what kind of soup was it? Like consomme? No, that's, that's pretty light. Yeah. Did he put crackers in it? Because that could be a meal. Like, you know, you're did, missing the point. Did, did he get a bowl or a cup? Yeah, a bowl or a cup. Yeah. She's totally missing the point. I, I don't, th- I mean, we could debate all day whether, and I'll, I'll even agree with Elaine that some soups are meals and some soups are just sort of light, <laughs> brothy affairs. You know, you can have a hearty chili and like, oh boy, one bowl of that and I'm done. Yeah. But that's that's not the argument here. You know, uh, what do you think? You think, let's talk about whether soup is a meal first. Do you think soup is a meal? Uh, I, I, I think soup can be a meal. Uh, yeah. But like if I, if I'm just eating soup, nothing in it that's not a meal i'm i'm having like a sandwich with it or something yeah yeah totally it's it's some it's either like an opening course or a co-star in a in a good meal mm-hmm. yeah it, it's but, ne- it's never like the leading character 
Yeah, unless you've got a big, hearty, you know, like Guinness stew or something like that. Like, that'll fill me up, you know, uh, and I think that could be a meal. So Simon comes out. Oh, Simon, by the way, is the this is where we learn his name. The Englishman <laughs> is named Simon. Uh, he when he's introduced to Jerry, he comes out and he asks. I, this is so funny. He asks Elaine, if you, Elaine, have you got any cash? And she's like, yeah, check my purse. She's like, no, there was only six dollars in there. Which means he <laughs> went through her purse. <laughs> and you can tell Elaine like does a, a take looking forward. She's like, you went through he went through my purse like just disgusting. Uh, no, there was only six dollars. I, I already rifled through it. <laughs> like so, Jerry's like, "Oh, I got some money. Uh, what do you need?" And Jerry gives him a, a twenty, which Jerry might have heard like, "Oh, a twenty should do it." Jerry probably heard like, "All right, twenty thousand dollars. Here you go. That's exactly <laughs> what I have on me." <laughs> I always like to carry my everything I own. Um, then Elaine's like, "Where are you going?" He's like, "Oh, just visiting." She's like, "All right, see you later." He's like, "I won't be back for dinner." <laughs> okay. And then Elaine gives him a. Pardon? Okay, so he his the location he's going to is just visiting. <laughs> yeah. And he won't be back for dinner. Where do you think he is going? I'm guessing just a bar somewhere. You think? Yeah. I think he's trying to say he's going sightseeing, but I think he's just going to a bar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I What honest, about you? I honestly didn't know. I kind of thought he was going to go uh he was going to go see somebody else. Ah. That could be. I'm not sure. But he wouldn't either. He wouldn't. He would have had to meet them in England, or he wouldn't have had much time to meet them in Amer- You know, in, in New York. That's but, true. Uh, yeah, I mean, we don't know, but he's he's definitely being an asshole about it. Yeah, that, that's for sure. <laughs> and over at Monks now, Kelly is very curt with George, like basically coming up and say, "What do you want?" Yeah. taking their order and then yeah. booking. There's yeah. no banter. Yeah, totally different energy now. And Banya comes in, and <laughs> they scoot over to try to keep him from sitting with them but he makes george scoot back over and he orders a soup and a sandwich and then jerry's like oh you know what this is the meal and then banya's argument now is like no i said dinner you you're the deal was taking me to dinner in a nice restaurant and (laughs) he he tries he he even says he's like it was dinner in a nice restaurant like mendy's and jerry even (laughs) says he's like i did that nobody told you to get the soup like motherfucker he tried to get yeah. you a nice meal at a nice restaurant, and you ordered the soup. You're the one that blew it. It's totally on you. Definitely. <laughs> Jerry is absolved of any debt at this point. He's he's going above and beyond by yes. getting Banya's soup and sandwich. <laughs> and 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 Banya tries again, guilting Jerry via George. Like, can you believe this? I gave him a brand new suit, and this is all I get. And I like George. Like, uh, you know, I'm really not comfortable uh, chiming. <laughs> you know, he's like, I don't really don't want to talk to you about this. <laughs> But that's when Kramer comes in and he tells George that Kelly doesn't have a boyfriend. She made it up, according to his waitress connection. Yeah, because the the woman that he this is where we learn her name as well. The woman uh, from Reggie's, the the diner that she works at, her name is Hildy. Hildy. <laughs> and Kelly has no boyfriend. She made it up. Over in Jerry's apartment, Superman's on the fridge. So we got uh, both Superman still present and accounted for in Jerry's apartment. And Simon is still freeloading off of Elaine. He is on his way up because he stopped to get a beer. Nothing like a nice daytime Coors Light. Oh, my God. Is that what he was drinking? I I, I didn't see. Oh, my God. And that's the reason I think he went to a bar. uh, That that he needs a beer like in the middle of the day. And even offers Jerry, fancy a beer, mate. (laughs) How about a day Coors? Why not? (laughs) Um, And then Banya calls Jerry again, insisting that Jerry take him out to dinner. And Jerry's like, I'm sorry, we're done. 
Uh, and Jerry's like, you know what? He asks uh, Simon what size suit he wears, and it's a 40. And Jerry gives the suit to Simon. And then Kenny calls back almost immediately and wants his suit back. Jerry, I've been doing some thinking, and I think I want my suit back. And Jerry's like, well, you know what? I gave it away. I couldn't stand the sight of it anymore. And so now Simon has it, and Jerry is, is done with the situation. Kramer comes in, and Hildy wants food. <laughs> uh, Hildy is, is very, very hungry, and she gets upset when she's hungry. And I think it's such a... Because I think Hildy is a take on Brunhilde, who is like a stereotypical like operatic character. I think she's actually from a very famous opera, but it's all, it's like when you think of, you know, fat opera lady, you think of this Viking character with like the, who's very large and has the big breastplate and the horns, you know, and like the Mm -hmm. long, the long blonde braids. And I think Hildy is a takeoff on that. And I just think it's like, I think it's kind of a cheap joke. I'm like, oh, that's like a Looney Tunes joke, you know, to name her Brunhilde. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think so. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, I, I did I did laugh a little bit, though, whenever she storms in and just yells, did you find anything? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he has like he has like an entire bologna loaf and like bread. Yeah. And, T- I mean, he takes an he's entire loaf of bread, an entire loaf of bologna, yeah. <laughs> which is crazy for Jerry to own. And because I, I don't see a meat slicer in his house. No, but it's like a straight up wrapped bologna loaf that you would need <laughs> to put in like. A meat, uh, like an industrial meat grinder, in order uh, to get anything out of it. Unless he's just taking a knife to it anytime he wants bologna. He could, he could cut a big slice of bologna. I mean, people like doing that. People like doing that too. I won't say that that's untrue. Um, yeah, so maybe he likes just a big old, big old, big old bologna patty <laughs> sandwich. <laughs> um, over at Reggie's, which, by the way, oh wait, um, over at Monks. I'm sorry, we're at Monks first because George can't go into Monks because he's too uncomfortable with Kelly being there. And so they decide to go to Reggie's and, mm-hmm. you know, the other two aren't so excited about it because Elaine wants to know if they have a big salad and George is like, they'll make you a big salad. <laughs> and so they go to Reggie's, which, by the way, is actually Munson Diner. And it closed in this location in New York City in 2005. Uh, and they put it on a flatbed and they moved it upstate really? uh, to the Catskills. Yeah, really? And it's still there. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. It was going through a lot of financial trouble in like 2011. They had to like shut down for a little bit. But it's straight up back open in Liberty, New York. Um, you can still visit Munson Diner and uh, pretend you're in, in Reggie's. Oh, my God. How far how far is that from New York City? Um, it doesn't... It, as the crow flies, it doesn't look that far, but you know, getting out of the city is, a, is another animal. So, uh, probably a couple hours, I think. Okay, just uh, it's just just a little upstate from uh, from Manhattan. Got but, it. Like uh, al- yeah, like, like towards like Albany area. Yeah, yeah, like but but nowhere near that. Like still very close to. It's yeah. probably honestly a like a close enough to be a commuter community for the city. Ah, uh, got what it. I was looking at, or maybe I was looking too too wide, too big of a map, or something like that. But yeah, it looks relatively close. But I just found that kind of crazy that they were like, "All right, you know what? We're out of New York. Just put the whole thing on a on a truck. We're moving the whole town." They're at Reggie's. Jerry cannot get an egg white omelet, and Elaine cannot get a big salad. Yeah, it, it, it says right. It says right on the menu, no egg white omelets. Yeah, and it, like it makes a point. And so when Jerry asked for it, he's like, "You really can't do an egg white omelet." She's like, "Did you read the menu?" <laughs> and Elaine can't even get, she's like, I'll bring you two small salads. And Elaine's like, can you put them in a big bowl? And she's like, we don't have big bowls. She's like, you know what? I'll just have a cup of decaf. And Hildy's like, we have Sanka. Yeah, what so, is Sanka? Just a brand of coffee. But I'm surprised that they just don't make decaf, you know? Huh? Okay. I think that's weird. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a couple, it's, a, it's a coffee brand that I always thought had a doctor on the logo. 
but it's not. I think it's like um, I don't know what it's supposed to be, but I, whenever I saw it in the store, I always thought it looked like a doctor drinking coffee, but I don't think it is. I think it's like some sort of ethnic costume that always, to me as a kid, looked like looked like a doctor. Hmm. I don't know. All right. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll uh, we might maybe we'll do some homework on Senka, and maybe there's something else. Um, oh yeah, find out how far Liberty is from uh, the Upper West Side. Let's say we'll just start there. Uh, over in Jerry's apartment. George comes in, and we get an interesting bit of Seinfeld timeline here. George says he's been going to monks for seven years. I don't know mm. what that. I don't know what that means about you know maybe he moved from Queens to Manhattan seven years ago or something like that. Like, what does that mean? He's only like they discovered monks. Now I want to know why they started going to monks. It, it had to have been just because Jerry went there. Did he meet Jerry seven years ago? No, they knew each other in high school. So I, I'm. I, I thought this was really it. it answers. A, uh, it asks a lot more questions than it answers. Yeah, yeah. We. I, I wonder like what was the genesis of them going to monks yeah yeah so that means like when they start when when seinfeld started they'd only been going to monks for a few years it was like still pretty new to them maybe yeah because i mean if this is 94 the show started in what 89 so they'd only been going there for two years yeah so uh, i find that find that kind of interesting why they hadn't been and we talk a lot about how it's just the closest coffee shop they can walk to so was it something else before maybe it was tom's before uh, and now he's like, yeah. And they're like, hey, have you seen this new place, Monks? It, t- it took over where Tom's is. Yeah, the sign's still up, but <laughs> they, they, they say they're going to change it as soon as they can turn a profit. <laughs> yeah, but so George is like, I, you know, I've been going to Monks for seven years. She's been there three months. She's the one. Kelly's the no, one that should have to leave. Not even three months. Three weeks, he says. Oh, three weeks. Yeah. So Kelly's the one that should have to leave. And then he starts. This is like one of the most sociopathic plans the gang has ever had he starts seriously thinking about whether or not he can get her fired how can i get her fired he's like i can get myself fired no problem but like he wants this woman to be unemployed like that's a big step jesus that's a that's a that's a big cliff to jump off that's like a that's a that's a line that is crossed you know what i mean yeah absolutely at that point kramer comes back in looking for more food and Jerry's fridge and cabinets are empty. Like, yeah. we never see them this empty. It's because Hildy has eaten everything, I guess. I, th- that, that's what they want us to assume. But <laughs> yeah. uh, Kramer says Hildy's in a bad mood because Kramer called over to Reggie's a couple of times and the manager didn't like it, so he fired Hildy. And in that moment, in that second, <laughs> George picks up the phone and is calling Monks. Yeah, Jerry looks at George, and they both have the same idea at the same time, and George starts calling monks. I mean, like, it's one thing to, you know, want, um, I'm trying to think of something else the gang has done. You know, it's one thing to want something from somebody. It's another thing to, like, just take away their livelihood. You know, I Mm -hmm. I think that's such a a huge line that George is crossing right now. (laughs) Over at Monks, Simon is finally leaving, and Kelly comes up and says she's leaving Monks because Bloomingdale's bought a bunch of her clips, her hair clips that she has explained to George earlier on their uh, day date, non-date, that she makes, and so she doesn't need to do this anymore, so Friday's going to be her last day anyway. Meanwhile, George is calling on the phone still, and I want to know, like, this must be the next day or something. Do you think that Jerry was like, all right, well, I'm going to Monks. He's like, well, I'm going to stay in your apartment and keep calling Monks. Yeah, it's definitely got to be the same day, and this has definitely got to be a a couple of times that George has called. Yeah, and... Kelly rats him out like, you know, he's like, the manager's like, Kelly, you got to tell your boyfriend to stop calling here. He's like, it's not my boyfriend. It's that bald guy with glasses. It's always hanging out with those two and, <laughs> and completely throws Jerry and Elaine under the bus. The manager comes over and says, you know, well, you tell your friend the next time I see him, if I ever see him again, I'm going to turn him into my own personal hand puppet or something like that. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And Simon comes in and he's wearing the Armani suit. And um, oh, I guess in at oh, some he, point here, yeah, I, we, we we miss Kenny coming yeah. in and, and saying like he still wants Jerry to take him out for dinner because uh, apparently Jerry still hasn't repaid his debt. But uh, Jerry offers him half of his omelet. <laughs> yeah, you want half my omelet. And then Simon comes in wearing the Armani suit, and he got a job interview, so he may be able to stay in the city indefinitely, and it's all thanks to the suit. And it's at that point when he's walking out, Elaine turns around and, and talks to Banya, who is sitting at the counter, saying, hey, Banya, you want your suit back? There it goes. And so he sicks, or she sicks Kenny on Simon, and they tussle outside of the restaurant, seemingly solving both Jerry and Elaine's problems, and they sort of like toast with their forks and we get a uh, pause there and we get a lo- another little epilogue where George is eating at Reggie's alone. There's like one other guy at the counter and, and that's it. And it's just George sitting and it's, it's completely silent for like a minute, which yeah. is no, which is just hilarious. No sound, no music, no waitress. <laughs> no, like there's, like you said, there's one other patron in the restaurant, but it's just silent. Nobody goes to Reggie's. No, no, it's just George. Forcing, he has to eat there by himself. But at least after Friday, he'll be able to, uh, he'll be able to go back. And that's it. Oh man! All right. So, what do we have for homework next week? Then nothing much except we're going to look up how far Liberty is from the Upper West Side and Sanka. And, and what? And Sanka. And Sanka. We have Sanka. All yeah. right. Was that it? That's it. Okay. Uh, so, I think. Uh, what? Uh, let's see if we can come up with a better description. Uh, so we right. had Jerry regrets accepting a designer suit from a, from an obnoxious comedian. And I don't mind it. I don't. Yeah, I don't mind it either. It, it's not. It's not bad. Yeah, I think I I think it covers everything pretty well. I mean, we don't get anything about George really or Elaine, but I, I don't think we have to. I mean, I think we got a good story here. Okay, we have now got. Newman's mail sack. So let's uh, let's go ahead and unzip that real quick. Zip. So today's message comes from Tim. Are you ready for this? Oh no, David. Oh no. He writes in a recent. Well, well, let me let me clarify. Subject: I apologize. Oh. He writes in a recent email. I gave you crap for talking about the problematic. Okay, sign. Problematic is in quotes. It seems you were being sarcastic and do not actually fall in with that belief. I apologize for misreading you. To be fair, though, I was not there to see you roll your eyes and shake your head when mentioning it. Nevertheless, I accept my error. To show my sincerity, I'm going to give you give your show a great iTunes rating, even though I do not use iTunes. It is a great podcast, and if it helps you, then so be it. On a related note, I do not sound anything like how you're voicing me. <laughs> I can take it, though. Oh, and thanks for censoring my last name, even though I don't think you have to. I know people would probably track me down and send me mean emails like the ones I have sent you. I wouldn't like that. I will, I will though, continue to rag on silly PC, SJW, and false accusations of racism I hear in the show. Well, dot, 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 think I hear that is. Sincerely, uh. David... <laughs> D- well, I D- hope he does. I, I appreciate that point yes, of view. Yes, David. I, I know it. It's seriously all in all in fun. Uh, I we accept the apology, and that's why I did change the tone of of uh, the voice I gave you for for reading this. <laughs> I, I didn't uh, didn't. What, what was even the tone I I read it last time? I was like, on a related note, I don't sound anything like how you're voicing me. Was it something like that? Nailed it. Yeah, yeah, that was it. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god. Uh, but yes, David, uh, a- apology accepted. And uh, well, by the way, well, let me before you move on to anything else. I um, I can't believe he didn't pick up on the fact that I I do fall into that camp. I do think people are using it that way. I I, I think it has evolved into something. I think it started as a joke and then you know. <laughs> moved on to something that people that I have seen pictures of racist people using it in that way. So, and here's the other thing that I was thinking last week, I was like, what is the point of, if it was quote unquote, the circle game, which I still don't and like, what's the point of playing the circle game on TV? Everybody sees that gets to hit who I, I, that guy doesn't I get to hit, know. What, what's the point of, what's the point of playing the circle game on TV? Who gets to hit who in that situation? <laughs> nobody gets to hit nobody. You have to be in person to play. If he was playing the circle game, you do it to your friend right next to you. You don't do it on national TV right behind an African-American sports reporter. <laughs> so I think people do use it that way. And but whether I think it's whether I think it's been completely co-opted, I don't. I think context is key. Someone tweeted to us a picture of, you know, whatever the um, I guess some basketball player used to use it as like, hey, three points or whatever. And it became his like insignia. And of course, he's he's an African-American. Of course, I don't think he's a white supremacist. And that's why I tweeted back. Context is key. I think if you see a white supremacist doing that, an upside down OK sign, I think it's safe to say that the reason they're doing it, it. It's probably being used for hate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think people, I think you can figure out, I think common sense dictates a lot about whether someone has hate in their heart. Like, for instance, last week when I was saying, uh, when I was using the, the pronoun he to refer to Sam Smith, I, if, I w- if I had been thinking, I would have said they, because I know that's what Sam Smith prefers. Mm-hmm. But if I was an asshole, like, and, and knew the context and go, oh, you know, Sam Smith, he likes to do this, and he likes yeah. to do that, emphasizing it like that, you could tell that I'm mm-hmm. being an asshole and there's hate in my heart. Yeah, and but the, the thing is, is a lot of, a, a lot of this is willingness to change the way that you say something and, and willingness to like 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 accept being called out and like if someone notices like oh hey that's not uh proper pronouns uh he she they what wh- whatever they prefer they actually prefer this so and then be willing to accept oh okay i am wrong on this i will change what i am doing but there's so many people in the world that are like, nope, I'm right. Yeah, yeah. You know oh, I got to I mean? learn a new thing? Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, oh. no. I learned enough. I, I already learned everything I need to know. Yeah. And, Human and, knowledge stops at the year 2000, okay? <laughs> Nothing after that. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like we should clarify. We're, we're not, David, this isn't about you. We're, we're saying this no. about a lot of other people. We're, we're not yeah. ragging on you. <laughs> No, this no. We, we've the, the conversation has moved beyond that. But I Absolutely. wanted to say that I am in that. The only the only reference to that email is that I am in that camp. That I think it can be used that way. But I think when Ted sends it to me via emoji, I don't think <laughs> Ted Ted's sending me a white power message. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, so context is key, and I think assholes are using that, and I think they deserve to be called out, and they deserve to be. Um, well, I'll just stop there. <laughs> Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you were going to move on to something else. Do we have another email? So, yeah, we do have another email from John Marr from Sweden. Uh, He says he actually sent us a screenshot. And, uh, Tim, I will I will send you this unless you want to look in the the email as well. Uh, He sent it to us. There is this thing vexing me in the outdoors daytime establishing shot of Jerry's apartment window in the episode The Couch and many others. There's something hanging from the window over to the left. It looks like a cutout of a blue and white duck wearing a square hat of sorts. 
<laughs> I, I know you're a research light show, but maybe something out, someone out there knows what this thing is. Thanks, John Marr from Sweden. Uh, P.S. I know that the image used in Seinfeld is taken in L.A., and that's not the real building. If that address is in New York and yada, yada, yada. But he did send us a screenshot, and it does look like Jerry has got something hanging out of his window. So, uh, again, I, I don't know what the person in this building was hanging out of their window when they filmed this B-roll, but it's it's weird. Huh. I'll take a look. Yeah, send that to me if you don't mind. Okay. And yeah. I'll, uh... it, it's, it's in our Gmail if you want to check it out. Okay. I don't even remember the password to that, but... What's uh, the password of that? It, it, no, it, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, I I can bleep it. I can bleep out the password, like I bleep out uh, David's last name. Uh, the the password is all lowercase. Oh, okay. I must have made that email because I think that's. <laughs> yep, you did. That's my go-to password. All right, all right. I would have guessed that, but I would hate to lock us out. Okay, then I'll check that out. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I think it's all lowercase. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, man. So I, I think we got to zip up Newman's mail sack still. So zoop. All right. And next week, we have got season six, episode eight, The Mom and Pop Store, original air date, November 17th, 1994. And if you're looking at TV Guide that night, you were going to see George buys a convertible. The salesman claims once belonged to John Voigt hilarious sounds like a great episode on deck if my mind serves well by the way the one more thing i want to mention before we close out this episode is of course we're introduced to a new character in the episode we just talked about kenny banya and he's going to pop up um a few more times in the seinfeld universe and kenny banya is played by a guy named steve heitner who is uh, a really great guy he has actually come to uh, the comedy club in erie where i used to live and where ted lives a couple of times and i've gotten to talk to him a couple of times not too much about Seinfeld, interestingly enough, because I figured like he he-, he hears that like all the time. Oh I, my god! Say, hey, yeah, probably from from Seinfeld. Now, honestly, I don't even know what I would ask him, but I, I did a <laughs> couple of great interviews with him, and maybe we'll even put those out as like a bonus episode if we ever need more of those. Because now that he's been in- introduced, like I can put both of those up. But one time I, I asked him because he's been in a ton of stuff, and in fact, I was watching the. We finished up Silicon Valley last night, my wife and I, and Steve Heitner plays a doctor in that show, oh, which is okay. hilarious. Yeah, in the final season, Steve Heitner. And he, in everything he has done, I was going through his IMDb page, and he's played like nine guys named Murphy. Really? Yeah, and I asked him, and he thought I was weird. He was like, first of all, you spend a lot of time on this, and it scares me, or something like that. (laughs) But, you know, he's like, in one show, he's like, uh, you know, Officer Dale Murphy. In another show, he's like, Dr. Kyle Murphy in another show. I was like, is there a Steve Heitner cinematic Murphy universe where all these guys are like actually brothers or related or, or something like that? And he was like, I don't know. Oh my God. But I like to think it's headcanon for me that all of the, any character named Murphy that's played by Steve Heitner is somehow related to the other Murphys. <laughs> so I might have to throw those interviews up because they are, they're pretty entertaining. Do you have them still? Do you have, do you have oh, the yeah. audio? Oh yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I, I I like how uh, you just did uh, bare level like looking at his IMDb like to see what he's in. He's like, you really spent a lot of time on this. Well, no, I did. <laughs> exactly. I did put uh, yeah, I put a little bit of thought into it. More thought than he had. I was like, why is every guy named Murphy? He was like, I don't know. I guess I'm just a, what, what, a, you know. Wouldn't that stick out to him at some point? He's like, oh, another character named Murphy, huh? I'm sure it's nothing. <laughs> Yeah, probably not. I mean, because it's scattered across like you know twenty years of working <laughs> or, or more. Um, so, 
that's probably why you're like what well, uh, you know and, and they're kind of like you know they're not exactly starring roles so he's like what well, maybe they maybe the character's name isn't even said in the movie you know it's maybe. Like maybe that kind of role maybe because like the, the doctor that he played last night on uh, that we were watching silicon valley probably has a name but i don't think they ever say it in the in the actual episode so it's, it's probably a lot of stuff like that but uh, i guess that's it right is that it that's it all right for no hugging no learning i'm tim murphy i'm ted Hallwell. be good 